Jen here with a quick update for new listeners. Watch with Jen began its life solely on Patreon, and while that's still the first place I publish new episodes, all of which you can listen to as soon as they drop for as little as a dollar a month, once they're unlocked to everyone, you will find them available to listen to here as well. Just a heads up if you wonder why I talk about Patreon so much for the first few shows. Thanks for listening and happy movie watching. Hey, it's Jen Johans here from FilmIntuition.com or at FilmIntuition on social media, and this is Watch with Jen. When I'm not writing about movies for my website or other places, you can usually find me on social media talking about film pretty much nonstop. And most of my feedback that I've received or the involvement on social comes when I post tweet-alongs of random movies or just post little odes to the strange films I happen to be streaming or watching or in the mood for that day. And I've received numerous emails from you guys, from readers, asking me what to watch or how do I choose the movies that I do. And when I started to pay attention to you guys requesting a Patreon, and thank you very much, I thought that this might be an interesting idea of something to bring to you kind of extending the hashtag watch with Jen thing. I, I keep trying to remind myself that I need to add that to my posts. Anyway, I'm working on that. I have a background curating and hosting screenings of movies in my community. And my dream gig, I mean, besides wanting to be Robert Osborne when I was little, and I just assumed, you know, he got to sit on that couch and hang out and just watch movies all day and talk about them. Well, besides wanting to be Robert Osborne. Rest in peace. I love you, Robert. I also dreamed of owning and operating a movie theater, kind of like the new Beverly or something to that effect, where you get to fill the entire theater, like the whole month schedule, with movies you wanted to see. There's stuff you couldn't get your hands on on your own or movies that they just don't make anymore. I mean, to use that old cliche, things you remember growing up. I have a soft spot for, you know, erotic thrillers and old romantic comedies, usually the 80s and 90s when I was young, and classic movies that you really can't find anymore because most streaming services think that film stopped around 1980. So I always wanted to bring together these movies that just don't get played anymore and put them in a theater. So I'm sort of imagining that this is our theater, if you will. And I'm going to try to find films that you could find on various streaming channels. It'd be great to get feedback from you on which channels you have. I'll try to hit a bunch of different ones, like movie and Star, Showtime. Like I'll go up and down and try to find various ones for you. So I'm not always going with, hi, here's another selection from Netflix or the Criterion channel. And I'm thinking that every installment of this will be maybe five recommendations. You can do it weekly. I don't want to bore you guys too much. Whatever, you know, we can kind of play as we go. Combining two of the most popular requests from you guys when I asked you to come up with ideas that you would like to see on my Patreon. I also did a poll. I received a lot of really nice emails from you guys as well. The two most recurring requests 
were for streaming or movie lists, which I am planning on making a few more movie lists as well. You know, I had people wanting me to list like my favorite neo-noir films or favorite whatever the case may be you can request. And I also had people who wanted me to create a podcast. I know very little about podcasts aside from guesting on some wonderful ones. And shout out to all of those people, especially Blake Howard for having me on his amazing productions. But I thought I could probably scrape together and figure out a way to do a shorter podcast. And that's what this will be, at least for starters. Again, this is up in the air and depending on your feedback. I'm planning to try to hit as many genres as possible so you're not always getting the same old things you would expect from me like here's Jen with yet another French New Wave film or Hong Kong crime movie or screwball romantic comedy from the 30s and 40s you know some of my typical little favorite niche genres that I love but I have interests in all types of films and I'm going to try to make sure that I hit all of those to try to get as many different movies before you to see what you would like as possible. I'm kind of treating this sort of like a lemonade stand, like when we had when we were little for 50 cents or depending on where you lived, a dollar. And that's what this will be, is a buck a month while I'm trying to figure this out. Uh, A buck a month membership. I'm sure I'm going to have like maybe two subscribers if. And we'll go from there and see if this thing grows. I can hit up maybe some of my friends with super cool taste because I'm lucky enough to know some wonderful people through social media that I might ask them for a recommendation every once in a while, like a little corner with a writer or a blogger or an actor or somebody to recommend something that they're thinking of watching or that they love to ensure that you're hearing a different voice besides my own Midwestern inflection. So I will try to keep things interesting that way as well. Of course, I will still continue to post on social. You pretty much can't stop me. I'm planning to begin working a little more seriously on a book I've been kicking around and also a script I'm working on with a friend and other creative writing projects. So my time will be maybe a little bit more limited as far as writing reviews or longer pieces on my site. And I just thought that this would be an interesting way to get some interaction going and also extend the hashtag watch with Jen style of posts that seem to really strike a chord with you guys. I'm always touched when I post things like For example, over the weekend, I watched Unlawful Entry, which is this great old scary thriller with Ray Liotta and Madeline Stowe and Kurt Russell. And I just shared it because I found it on HBO. I assumed maybe five people would remember the movie or even care. And it's always amazing to me when dozens respond to it. And so I'm always touched and flattered. And that's when I receive sometimes DMs or messages from you guys saying, you know, hey, thanks for the find, or what else are you watching, or how do you know what to watch? And I just thought this would extend that dialogue, I guess, from one medium to the other. You usually just see my words in print, or my photos, or my jokes. I have also kind of two styles of writing. I get teased about that sometimes in emails you're like you're so casual on twitter and then you get a little flowery in your work and yeah i do i i write 
more conversationally on Twitter, of course. And this is a different mode of communication. And so I thought that would be a good idea to embrace that and see what you think. The first film that I'm recommending is Mother from 1996, directed, co-written by, and starring Albert Brooks. So it's not the Bong Joon-ho mother. Go Parasite, and that's awesome as well. Uh, His mother is great. Go seek that out. But this mother is hilarious. It's kind of got that dry Albert Brooks things that he, he does so well. So there's pathos, there's drama, there's a little anger mixed in. He's got his own little brand of humor, and it works really well. He's been doing it since real life. Of course, Lost in America is probably his most famous movie. I also really loved modern romance, Defending Your Life, The Muse is fun, but Mother I have a real soft spot for. It was the first one I saw of his in the theater. It stars Debbie Reynolds as well, and in the film, Albert Brooks plays a science fiction writer who's striking out with the ladies, including Lisa Kudrow and a really funny cameo and he decides that his life's kind of reached the point where he should look for answers. He had gotten a divorce. Everything had kind of gone wrong. So he decides to move back in with his mother. I believe it's in Sausalito. It's been a while since I've seen the film, but there's gorgeous scenery. It's it's a lot of fun. Dumby Reynolds was really good in it. I like the movies that Albert Brooks wrote with Monica Johnson. They carry a nice dynamic between the male and the female characters. And... Per usual, there's a lot of scene-stealing performances by the supporting cast, including Rob Morrow, who I grew up loving on Northern Exposure. He also directed and starred in a movie I really love. I don't think you can find it anywhere except maybe DVD through Netflix. It's called Maze. If you're listening to this, track it down. I'm probably like the only person who's seen the movie besides, well, of course, Rob Morrow. So it'd be fun to talk about it with somebody else. But anyway, back to Mother. It's a really interesting coming-of-age story because it's coming of middle age, and it's also about learning that your parents are human beings with flaws and responding to them as an artist. He learns some interesting things about his mother who he saw in one sphere in his life and he finally gets to see her as more of a full three-dimensional human being so that's always good and I think you'll really enjoy it if you've liked his movies before or are just in the mood for something that's both funny and a little bit dramatic as well. The second film that I would love to introduce to you is one of my all-time favorites. It's from 1965. It's available on Criterion, and it's called A Patch of Blue. It was based on the 1961 novel Be Ready with Bells and Drums from Australian author Elizabeth Kata, whose name I really hope I'm pronouncing correctly. If I'm not, please forgive me. It was adapted for the screen by its filmmaker, Guy Green, who is a former cinematographer and his movies always have a really strong visual style. He made the decision, in fact, on this one to shoot it in black and white, even though it was 1965 and color was available. And it really helps drive home the theme of the movie and also help put you in the mindset of its two leads. The movie stars Sidney Poitier. It's my favorite Sidney Poitier movie. I love so many of his movies. I can do a whole podcast on him and not run out of material. But this is my favorite. Uh, In the film, he stars opposite a young woman played by Elizabeth Hartman, 
who received an Academy Award nomination for her performance, the category of Best Actress. In the film, she plays a blind young woman who lives a very hard life. Her mother is played by Shelley Winters, another one of those tyrannical matriarchs that only Shelley Winters can play. In the film, she is a blind young woman who spends her days in the park stringing beads in order to sell them and help provide for her family that lives in this small cramped apartment. It's not a good environment. There's abuse. And she's in the park and she comes across while she's sitting there stringing beads, Sidney Poitier, who happens upon her. The two strike up a friendship. He helps inspire some new confidence in her and also a newfound sense of independence. The two not only become friends, there's a little bit of an attraction there. A romance sort of starts to develop. It's another one of those films that Poitier had some issues with, if you read his biographies. And he talked about how at the point he made Patch of Blue, he was starting to get very frustrated with the fact that he said my leading ladies were either blind or he couldn't end up with them because of the way our country was at the time and the racism involved. But it's a very beautiful film. It's one that has, I think, gained in momentum over the years. I mean, it did receive a lot of Oscar nominations. But as far as a Sidney Poitier film, I mean, most of the attention goes to Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and In the Heat of the Night. But I think Turner Classic Movies has kind of helped introduce a new generation to this one. And I was thrilled that in the Sidney Poitier collection that Criterion uh, put together last month, that this film was going to be a part of it, but it wasn't actually available until March 1st. So it's on the service now. I highly recommend it. Another reason I love it, of course, is not only is it a romance involving a disabled female character, but it's one where they do not kill her off. So of course, uh, I love that right away because usually there's some like horrific tragedy that befalls the disabled character in order to teach the able-bodied one, you know, something valuable about their life. So that was a nice decision as well. I think it'll surprise you if you've not seen it before and I can't recommend it enough. I hope you enjoy it. The third film that I'd really love to recommend is called Red Eye. It's from 2005, it's available on HBO, and was directed by Wes Craven. The film, based on a script by Carl Ellsworth, who is a television writer, he wrote for Buffy, this was his debut as a feature film writer based on a story idea from Dan Foose. The film centers on a female protagonist with a tragic past. Wes Craven makes these psychological female-centric thrillers better than anyone is a big fan of the Scream series. I would love to say that, but I believe it. And I think this is one of his best movies. It stars Rachel McAdams as a hotel manager of a posh place in Miami. She's flying back from Texas to get to her hotel in Miami where they're expecting some bigwig from high up in the administration, a member of Homeland Security. And she meets at the airport a very charming 
young man played by Killian Murphy, who I think everyone would remember from the Dark Knight trilogy that Christopher Nolan made. Also Peaky Blinders, which is now available all over Netflix. She encounters him in the airport. They strike up a conversation and, as fate would have it, wind up sitting next to each other on the plane only to discover maybe fate didn't have it and maybe there's a hidden agenda. As the flight goes on, she becomes threatened by her passenger, Murphy, who has an agenda and is doing everything in his power to get her to go along with. It's one of those brilliant thrillers where you find you're mentally putting yourself in the female protagonist's shoes and trying to think, what would I do in those situations? I love movies like that. Another one of my favorites is called P2, and I always recommend Red Eye and P2 together as sort of a double feature. Panic Room also did this well, where you find yourself thinking, you know, how do you get the attention of the neighbors and stuff like that? This is another one of those movies. It's really good. It has a Marco Beltrami score. Uh, I love his film scores. He did another great one for um for 310 to Yuma a few years after this and I it's another one that I think anyone who likes good smart tales of suspense will really enjoy the fourth film that I'd like to introduce to you this week is The Spanish Prisoner. It's from 1997, writer-director David Mamet, and it is available right now on Showtime. It was the first David Mamet movie that I saw in the theater, definitely not the first one I had seen. I remember really enjoying House of Games and Homicide at home when I first saw those. They blew my mind. Glengarry Glen Ross was a huge impact on me. I remember will you go to lunch? Like, I just remember all of the big exchanges and who can forget Alec Baldwin in that one. But this one had a different impact on me. It was the first one that I went to go see at the Art House Theater down in Minneapolis at the Uptown. I didn't have my license at the time and I was reviewing it for my high school paper. So my mom was, fortunately, she was the one that took me to that and we had a blast. It was a good experience. The film stars Campbell Scott, Steve Martin, Ricky Jay, of course, you can't beat Ricky Jay, and Rebecca Pigeon. In the film, Campbell Scott has invented some sort of process. They never really say what it is. David Mamet has this great line in On Directing Film, which I highly recommend, where he talks about MacGuffins and that thing which the hero is chasing or the thing which the antagonist wants. It doesn't matter what it is. We just need to know that they want it and that's all it is. And of course, he holds true to that. Spanish Prisoner is... A confidence trick. That's where the name is derived from. It's a famous con man's trick, and that forms the basic plot. He's invented a process. He meets a rich, enigmatic man, Steve Martin, on a work excursion, and on it, he also starts having feelings for his very flirtatious colleague, played by Rebecca Pigeon. One thing leads to another. He becomes friends with the rich, older man, Steve Martin. Who can he trust? Who's using whom? It's another one of those great David Mamet movies. Yes, it isn't as famous as his others, but I really enjoy it. I highly recommend the film, and I think you will too if you're a fan of Mamet. No, it doesn't live up to Heist, which everybody knows is my favorite Mamet movie, bar none, but it's 
it's a great one and it's worth checking out for sure. You can file my fifth recommendation under the heading should have been a bigger hit. I'm recommending City of Ember. came out in 2008 and it's available for stars. It's one you can watch with the whole family and that was its intent. Edward Scissorhands and Nightmare Before Christmas screenwriter Caroline Thompson adapted Jean Duprow. I hope I'm saying that correctly. The novel City of Ember by Jean Duprow and it was a book series for children. The director was Gil Keenan. He's actually working on the script or did the script for the upcoming Ghostbusters movie for Jason Reitman. City of Ember was produced by Gary Getzman and Tom Hanks. It had all the pedigree. Bill Murray is involved. It stars Saoirse Ronan. Just a phenomenal cast and crew. And it completely fell through the cracks. I think Twilight and all of those other movies just kind of swamped it and it did not get the love it deserved. It has an ending that kind of sets it up like we needed another one, but it stands on its own. It takes place in an underground city called Ember, where survivors had built this underground city after some kind of global catastrophe had happened. They were sent down there, and generations have lived in harmony, but now after so long, there was a box that was sent down and was supposed to open, I believe, with a time release after 200 years. Medicine's running short, food is running short, you name it. And when kids hit a certain age, they're assigned different tasks, like a messenger or inventor or different roles that they will play in this harmonious city. But things have started to shift and grow scarce. And as the movie goes on, Cersei Ronan and Harry Treadway embark on this journey to try to decipher the contents of this box that is opened up that is sent to heaven the path to the exit out of Ember. So it's a wonderful journey, great family movie, gorgeous cinematography, special effects, had everything going for it and just did not catch on. I remember seeing it at the first press screening and being one of the few that was, you know, completely blown away by it. When I came back, I brought somebody else who was equally impressed, and that's when other audience members were walking out hoping for another installment. Unfortunately, I think with the attention going to Divergent and Twilight and a couple other failed series like Percy Jackson didn't do as well as they hoped, they just didn't wind up taking a chance on it. Obviously, Saoirse Ronan is more than fine, multi-academy award nominee by now. She had a phenomenal career, but this one really does hold up. It still plays well. I think families will enjoy it, and those who enjoy a good journey paradigm will also find themselves involved in the plot as well. And with that, we have our first five films to be included in this Watch With Jen mini podcast here on Patreon. I want to thank you for checking it out, considering subscribing. Obviously, this is my first time out. I'd love your feedback, but please overlook all of the mistakes I'm sure I made my first time out. I probably rambled too much. I'm sure I said you guys and enjoy like 4,000 times. So please overlook that as well. And I hope to get better at this with each successive 
installment of the series and also fine-tune it and make it exactly what you want. So you can find me on Twitter, social media, or just reply and let me know here. I'm also accessible via email. You can get a hold of me at contact at filmintuition.com. That's contact at filmintuition.com. As always, I write for filmintuition.com and that's also my social media handle throughout. I'm available on Letterboxd, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. And I hope to see you guys soon online and get in touch. You can always talk movies with me on my many tweet-alongs. And I'm looking forward to turning this little film lemonade stand thing into something that will have you guys coming back for more and hopefully kicking off some good discussions. So thanks again. Have a good one. Bye-bye.